Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Go and Follow Me. I am your host Matthew Roberts and this is season 4, episode 176 to 177 of this daily study podcast. Apologies once again for yesterday not being an episode. We had some sad news as a family. Um, one of our little kittens uh, passed away after uh, an accident she'd had a few months ago. Uh, Things were seeming to be okay, but it obviously was just too much for her. So, uh, quite a few things to sort out yesterday, but uh, we are going to have two episodes or kind of a larger episode today to make up for what we lost. Because, again, in this week, there is so much to get through with so much good stuff. Now, with um, the uh, widow of Zarapeth, so we kind of left it where... She was asked by Elijah to go to make the extra food for him before making or make the food for him before making it for the widow and her son. Um, And then she was told that she would have plenty. In verse 15, it says, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail. So she was blessed beyond, you know, what she could imagine, that they had food, they had plenty, uh, and this was a great miracle for her. But notice that this wasn't the thing which made her completely believe that the God of Israel was the, the true God. Um, in verse 17 of First Kings, and this is not technically in the uh, Come Follow Me outlined verses in the study materials, but... I want to cover this uh, story because I think it's an important one. It says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Now, this is um, devastating, really devastating, particularly as the widow had showed so much faith and so much humility uh, to do what Elijah had asked by the Lord, in terms of giving the food to him and then being blessed with plenty more, to then lose her son. Firstly, for me, it indicates that there are negative things that happen in our lives, horrendous things that can happen in our lives, even when we are trying to do the best things, the best thing that we can to follow the Lord, or have, or even if we have a lot of faith in the Lord, negative things or horrible um, events can still happen in our lives. We are not protected by that. Um, but what we can be promised is that we will have comfort and we can have um, a, a relief from these um, difficulties. Now, in this case, um, the son is healed. So Elijah um, says to her to give, give him her, the son uh, and he carried, carried him up to the loft and laid him on his bed. Uh, and in verse 20, it says, O Lord, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come come, in, come into him again. Um, and the, the son is revived. So obviously this is a, a miracle. This is something which... Um, you know, we can see in our lives that we are, we do have miracles and it does not mean, of course, that, you know, every time we lose someone, let's say, um, 
if we are being obedient, that they are going to be revived or, you know, come back to life. That isn't what this story is teaching. But think, I think for me, what it teaches us is, again, that things can happen to us, even when we are living the most righteous life we can live. Uh, it does not mean that we are protected from um, tragedy or calamity. Um, but what we need to do is we need to follow the words of the prophet. Um, and there will be blessings that come, whether it be through a a peace or comfort that comes to us, whether it whether it indeed be through a miracle that um, you know saves our our loved one. Uh, we've there are many stories, of course, through priesthood authority or or through the miracles of God uh, that we have seen miraculous healings and things like that. For sure, absolutely, um, but we don't know, of course, what the what the Lord's will is. Um, these things can happen. So I'll move on now to First Kings 18, which is the next thing we're going to study. And this is where um, Elijah um, calls out um, again to Ahab to have the priests of Abal meet him and to determine who is the true God uh, of Israel. Um, the entry or the section in the Come Follow Me manual um, titles this as If the Lord be God, follow him. Um, and I'm going to just read a bit from it. It says, quote, The Israelites may have felt they had good reasons to worship Baal despite the Lord's command. Baal was known as the god of storms and rain, and after three years of drought, they desperately needed a storm. And Baal worship was socially accepted and endorsed by the king and queen. As you read First Kings 18, consider any situations in your life that could be compared to the situation the Israelites were in. Do you ever find yourself indecisive about following the Lord? because the alternatives seem reasonable and compelling, close quote. So this is interesting, because as I mentioned at the start, this famine, or this drought, I should say, was brought about by the Lord because Ahab, the king, and many people in Israel uh, were worshipping Baal. And it wasn't the case that necessarily they were not worshipping the Lord, but rather they were worshipping both in, in most cases, that they would give sacrifices in groves and offerings to Baal, and they would also give sacrifices to Jehovah. Um, but of course, we know that the first the first commandment in, in the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods uh, before me. So um, this is something that is a problem. And because um, Baal was known as the storm god, um, the Lord took away rain to show his power over Baal. And yet, um, there needed to be further um, reason for the Israelites to trust and believe in the Lord. Before we get to this episode between uh, Elijah and the priests of Baal, it's worth mentioning this individual, Ob Obadiah. Obadiah was a servant of the king, um, and he feared the Lord greatly, it says uh, in, in verse 3 of First Kings 18. And in fact, he wasn't just a servant, he was the governor of Ahab's house, King Ahab. But he also feared Jehovah. He believed he had faith in the Lord, the true God. And so um, when Jezebel, um, it, to the point that when Jezebel, the king's wife, killed the prophets of God, um, the Obadiah took hundreds of them uh, and saved them, basically. So in this experience, um, the king tells Obadiah to take his horses to find grass in this uh, drought, because, of course, you know, there isn't a lot of grass around. Um, and... Obadiah goes and he meets Elijah. He sees Elijah and Elijah asks him to go to the king and uh, gather 
uh, tell him to gather the um, tell him where Elijah is um, and he will be saved by the Lord uh, and that he would like to meet with Ahab and the priests so um, the the king meets with Elijah and uh, in verse 17 uh, it says art thou he that trouble of Israel and in verse 18 Elijah says I have not troubled Israel but thou and thy father's house in the in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and thou hast followed Baalim and if you remember Baalim is a collective term for false gods basically um, at that time so Ahab um, is told by Elijah to send the um, prophets of Baal, 450 of them, to Mount Carmel. Uh, so Ahab sends um, the prophets uh, and gathers them together at the mount as Elijah asks. So here we have the, the priests of Baal, we have Elijah, and we also have some of the people of Israel because it seems that Elijah is speaking to the priest but also to the people in general. There is an audience here for what we're about to discuss. Uh, and in verse 21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. So there is, you know, there's no response to his, um, his invitation to them to stop serving two masters, as we read about in, in, in the New Testament. David P. Homer said, quote, We live in a world with many voices seeking our attention. With all the breaking news, tweets, blogs, podcasts, and compelling advice from Alexa and Siri and others, we can find it difficult to know which voices to trust. Sometimes we crowdsource guidance in our lives, thinking the majority will provide the best source of truth. Other times we halt between two opinions. Still other times we follow what is convenient, focus on a single voice or issue to guide us, or rely exclusively upon our own ability to think. While each of these approaches can be helpful, experience teaches that they are not always reliable. What is popular is not always what is best. Halting between two opinions brings no direction. Convenience rarely leads to things that matter. Fixation on a single voice or issue can impair our ability to see and relying solely upon our own thinking can lead us into a hyper-intellectual stupor of thought. If we are not careful, the wrong voices can draw us away from gospel centre to places where faith is difficult to sustain, and we find a little more than emptiness, bitterness, and dissatisfaction. Close quote. I don't know if any of you have done this, but how many times perhaps if you shared a question or a thought or a decision you want to make on places like social media and, and other places, and you look to see what the response is there before you continue. Uh, it is something which, you know, you see very often on these platforms. And you can understand why, because, you know, the more voices that agree with you, then, of course, the better you feel about your decision. But what I find interesting about social media is, naturally, you follow or people follow you who agree with your points of view. And so, of course, you start to build what is possibly called an echo chamber, something which means that when you speak into it, it reflects back your opinion because those people are similar or have similar interests or views to you. Uh, so it's not always the most reliable source of information. Um, of course, um, David P. Homer here and, and, of course, Elijah himself is speaking about how we need to follow the Lord. He is the source of truth and light. And he can direct us to things that matter most. Um, so Elijah um, then invites the, the, the priests 
of Biles who have two bullocks, uh, one bullock for them and one bullock for him. And he is going to invite them to place it on an altar, dress it for a sacrifice, put wood underneath it, but with no fire. And they are to call upon their God to light the fire. Um, the people respond and say, this sounds good. Um, and so Elijah invites the priests of Baal to go first. They do that. Uh, they call upon Baal and there's no voice that answers. Now, <laughs> here we have a, a bit of a kind of cajoling by Elijah, uh, a bit of uh, possibly taunting by him. Um, and in fact, it does say in the scripture that he mocked them, saying in verse 27, cry aloud for he is a god. Either he is talking or he's, or he's pursuing or he's in a, in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. Um, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland uh, says this um, about this. This <clears throat> um, quote, Since it is clear that there was Christians long before there was a New Testament, or even an accumulation of the sayings of Jesus, it cannot be therefore be maintained that the Bible is what makes one a Christian. In the words of esteemed New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, <clears throat> the risen Jesus at the end of Matthew's Gospel does not say all authority in heaven and on earth is given to the books you are going to write, but rather all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. In other words, scripture itself points, it, points away from itself and to the fact that the final and true authority belongs to God. So the scriptures are not the ultimate source of knowledge for Latter-day Saints. They are manifestations of the ultimate source. This doctrine lies at the very heart of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and our message to the world. It dramatizes the significance of a solemn assembly yesterday uh, in which we sustained um, President Thomas S. Monson as a prophet, seer, and revelator. We believe in a God who is engaged in our lives, who is not silent, not absent, nor, as Elijah said of the God of the priests of Baal, on a journey or peradventure he sleepeth. In this church, even our young primary children recite we believe all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and we believe that he will reveal many yet great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Close quote. We believe in not just a living God, but we believe in an active God, a God who responds, a God who works in our lives today, a God that gives us revelation, that revelation is not dead, that revelation did not end with the Bible, that there is a God who cares about us in our lives. And Elijah is teaching of this important principle here, that Baal was not a God that could do that because he was not God. Um, they continue to cry aloud and they, they cut themselves as well, uh, which um, was a, a manner after the manner that they would do to try and incite um, a response from, from their God. Uh, but there was no voice that responded. Then Elijah, um, after seeing that they have tried for, for a number of hours, um, invites them to come near to him, uh, and they repaired the altar that was broken. And Elijah takes 12 stones, of course, representative of the 12 tribes of Israel, and many things to do with, with the God of Israel, be, with the number being 12. Um, and it even says in verse 31, according, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, um, and then he calls upon God, um, he puts the wood on the altar. And then in verse 33, we have a little bit of what we might turn today as perhaps showboating or perhaps, um, you know, just not showing off really, but just showing that the Lord truly has power over all things. Um, 
in verse 33, uh, he says, Fill four barrels of water and pour it onto the burnt sacrifice and onto the wood. And he said, Do it the second time, do it the, do it the third time. Um, and the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also of water. So this offering is you know, a bullock that's placed upon wood, which is now completely soaked. And it even has water flowing into the trench around it. It's completely soaked. Um, and in verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God of Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Uh, and in verse 38, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. This was not just a, a little lighting of the wood that caused there to be fire in, underneath the bullock. This was a complete engulfing of the um, the sacrifice. Bullock, wood, stones, water, and all. It was completely engulfed by the fire of the Lord. Now, what I find interesting here is that we don't tend to um, equate um, always, and we probably should, the presence of the Lord with fire. But of course, you know, when you think about the children of Israel on their exodus through the uh, through the wilderness, it was a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, this is the Lord, His presence, um, making Himself known, um, and of course, in spectacular fashion here in such a way that when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. Um, this is clearly um, something which was to help them to see that the Lord um, was the was the Lord God indeed. Um, Sharon G. Larson said, quote, there were no unbelievers still alive in northern Israel that day. Choices would not be a dilemma if good were rewarded as quickly and as spectacularly as was Elijah or if wrongdoing meant immediate death. But it is not that simple when our work is to increase our faith. Our faith and commitment are tested when the world offers tempting and enticing alternatives that can turn our faces from the Lord's kingdom. Some would like to live in that eternal city and still keep a summer home in Babylon. If we are not consciously or and deliberately choosing the kingdom of God, we will be in fact moving backwards as the kingdom of God moves forward boldly, nobly and independent. Choosing which way we face will determine our blessings or our burdens. The Lord invites us to cast our burdens on him and he will sustain us while Mormon warns the devil will not support his children. Close quote. What I love, by the way, about, about this quote is, uh, you know, it's very, it's brilliant. But that last phrase or the last sentence is powerful. Because she could have easily said, uh, we'll, be rece we'll receive blessings um, as we follow the Lord and we won't receive them as um, we don't follow the Lord, which is true. Um, but she talks about blessings and burdens uh, and doesn't say that we have burdens, burdens when we don't follow the Lord because, well, that's simply not true. We do have burdens. We still have bad things happen. Just look at the widow of Zarephath. Uh, as one example, but we see it in the scriptures many times that people who follow the Lord very often have burdens come along sometimes because of that faith, but even at other times they just come because burdens naturally come to us during mortality. But note that she says that if we follow the Lord, then these burdens can be cast upon him and that he can support us and strengthen us. Satan, the adversary, will not support us through our burdens. We will not have that help from him. Uh, and that is the key difference here, I think. 
um, between needing to follow the Lord and or going somewhere else for that support and strength. Um, so, yeah, this is obviously a, a huge experience, an experience where many people are converted. Uh, and for us, hopefully, that this does not mean that we have to have a huge event like this in our lives to change our minds about the Lord, that he is God. Um, but, um, you know, of course, sometimes we do see miracles in our lives like this. And they can help us to uh, see clearly who the Lord it truly is. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you've enjoyed this study. Please do follow the podcast uh, on Facebook. Uh, share your thoughts on what you've studied. And you can also email session at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your time. And until we meet again.